right, everyone, welcome back to the Rest of Us Tennis Podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is to promote women's college tennis. I actually went back and listened to last week's episode. No doubt I am too much, and I say you know after quite a few sentences. Hopefully that gets better. Um, In the future, I will add fade-in music and fade-out music. But those are things I'll figure out at a later stage. Right now, it's a content that matters. And I actually feel like we got pretty good content. Like I said before, the focus is women's college college tennis. If you're tired of hearing about how great North Carolina, NC State, Pepperdine and Texas is, and you want to know what is happening in the rest of college tennis, then definitely listen to this podcast. I will tell you about the mid-major programs, I'll tell you about the lower tier power 5 programs, the mid-tier power 5 programs, and to be honest, I mean, we'll break down the top teams as well, look at their results, see who's getting better, who's struggling a little bit. The bottom line is, I'm an insider, I'm still in the coaching business, coaching at the mid-major level, I know the subject matter, I know the teams, I know the players. And hopefully you can become more informative by listening to this podcast. Okay, a quick reminder over here. The structure and flow of this podcast. Um, broken up into three parts, three segments. Segment one, news. If there is any news, news that stands out. Or just my take on an or opinion on a topic. Section two, segment two, will be results of a previous week. For example, this week up until January 23rd. What stands out? What pops off the page with regards to results? I'll look out for those key mid-major matchups. Those lower power, how those lower tier power five teams are doing, or whenever the mid-majors are playing against um, any power five schools. But basically, anything that just catches my attention. Um, Third segment will just be, depending on the time, conference breakdown. I'll I'll take a conference. This week I'm going to do the Sunbelt Conference. We'll just look at who's a favorite to win the thing, who's going to be challenging them. And then later on through the semester, through the year, uh, we'll circle back to it and see how things are shaping up. After that, I'll just finish off with the last word. So let's get straight into it. Segment one, news. I'm going to circle back to last week's news. We spoke about Diana Schneider losing second round of Australian Open. Looks like she is back with NC State. She has not played yet um, on social media. You can see where she's training a little bit with the team. I don't know if she's eligible or not. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if she plays or when she plays. My guess is national indoors if she does play. I really I, I really hope that she does play. I hope she stays, shows some loyalty towards that NC State program, wins a national championship for the team, and then turn pro. Let, you, let me give you my take on an interesting topic. And I know this is still a couple of months away. I'm talking about job openings. Uh, jobs will probably start opening like every year after the season is done. But we got an interesting situation with Clemson. It looks like their um, 
coach got let go end of November, beginning December. They've put in charge um, the assistant coach as an interim coach, Amy Sargent. I think she used to be at Oklahoma. She was assistant co coach at Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a great audition for her. It's not a great, it's not a bad situation to be in because Clemson has got some good talent. Most likely not the kind of talent that's going to compete with um, NC State and North Carolina and even Miami and those teams, Virginia. But they got some solid talent where she can put together a good season and who knows, maybe snag that job. But having said that, going back a couple of years, Nancy Harris, she used to be the coach at Clemson. She had that team competing at an extremely high level. Uh, they were top 10. I think they made the final four a couple of times. Interesting about, thing about Nancy is she was a coach at AUM before she went to Clemson. That's most likely where she honed her craft. My question is, with Clemson, that's assuming if Amy Sargent does not get the job, should they go with a Power 5 assistant with minimal experience or not much experience? Or should they go with a mid-major coach who has had some success, who has most likely developed their coaching style, they've put in the time, they've honed their craft, they've learned about trial and error, and most likely more prepared to take on that Clemson job. So if you're the athletic director, which direction do you go? I'm going to make an argument over here. I kind of glanced at some of the top programs, top, top 10 programs. NC State, Simon Earnshaw, Used to be at Armstrong Atlantic before he got the job at NC State. North Carolina, Brian Calbus. I think he used to be at William & Mary before he got that NC North Carolina job. Texas, Howard Joffe. I actually think he was assistant coach at Southern Cal. I know he was two years at Maryland, then he went to Texas A&M and then Texas. But those two years at Maryland as a head coach, most likely that's where he developed, learned a lot. Michigan, that's one of my favorites. Ronnie Bernstein, she actually used to coach in the Sun Belt. She used to coach FIU. Actually, my teams in the earlier days, we used to have some good battles with her. She did an unbelievable job at FIU. By the time she took that Michigan job, she was ready to go. Oklahoma, Audra Cohen, used to be at North Florida. Oklahoma State, Chris Young, used to be at Wichita State before he got the job at Oklahoma State. I mean, the list goes on and on. Ohio State, Melissa Schwab, I'm not sure if I say the name the right way, but she was at Middle Tennessee for a couple of years in the Sun Belt. Um, the same with the Tennessee coach, Allison. She was assistant, yes, at Alabama and um, Baylor. But I wouldn't be surprised. Those, those couple of years she had at Middle Tennessee where she learned a lot how to run a program. Plenty of examples. Coaches who put in their time, developed their style, honed their craft at the mid-major level. And seems like 
they've had great success at the power five level if you go the other route hiring an assistant coach from a power five with not as much experience but yes they do have experience as an assistant coach at a power five those haven't worked out too great in my opinion and I would love to have people contact me and maybe give me some examples I mean top of my head the coach at Auburn it seems like she's really done a great job she was an assistant coach for a couple of years got the job at Auburn and I actually think she's doing a phenomenal job over there maybe Virginia not too sure about that on a side note recently I was excited I was happy for the new Texas Tech coach they you know the administration there at Texas Tech obviously saw what he did at Furman he did an unbelievable job at Furman let's see if he can replicate the success he had at Furman at Texas Tech I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does that having said that you know he inherited a pretty good roster over there but wanted to throw out that Clemson example because I'm sure we're going to have plenty of situations this upcoming at the end of this upcoming season always jobs open a lot of people angling for it but what does the data say you know, to me it looks like it seems the coaches who are having success at the power five level they've all had that put in their time at the mid-major level but something that's interesting to me and we'll definitely keep an eye on it once the season is finished and those job openings open up okay let's get into segment two and this is what the bulk of uh, the show is about the results of the previous week and it's just some of those results are just kind of pops off the paper that kind of gets my attention I've got about 10 or 11 of them first one I'm going to start off with was Temple beating VCU 4-2 now a lot of you you know probably like why is he talking about Temple versus VCU VCU is one of those mid-major programs they win their conference every single year and they they have those aspirations to compete at a national level they've never lost to Temple so that one really kind of caught my attention because VCU's got some good players but took a tough loss there in the beginning of the season the next one is Florida Atlantic beat North Florida that's a great mid-major matchup over there I wouldn't be surprised if both of those teams can get to around 40-50 in the nation Florida Atlantic beat North Florida 5-2 very good mid-major matchup early in the year it seems like that weekend they had Kansas State and they played a little three-way um, dual matches over there great win for North Florida North Florida beat Kansas State North Florida is one of those ASUN teams we spoke about last week with Florida Atlantic um, hello, not, sorry not Florida Atlantic Florida Gulf Coast Liberty Stetson all of them in the ASUN that's sneaky good but a good one for North Florida beating Kansas State. Kansas State came back the next day and beat Florida Atlantic. So everyone beat up on everyone that weekend. Good one for Kansas State. Kansas State, one of those, I wouldn't say lower tier power fives. They've been pretty solid the last couple of years. But those are the kind of wins that they need to pick up. 
because once again when they get in conference play things can become pretty tricky okay I'm getting a bit a little bit away from my mid-major focus that I really wanted to be but this really stood out to me Oklahoma looked like they took a tough road trip went out to play Michigan and Ohio State at home Michigan ranked number 20 beat Oklahoma number four 5-2, Ohio State, ranked number 17, beat Oklahoma, who's number 4. Both matches, Oklahoma won the doubles points, and it then seemed like Michigan and Ohio State took care of singles pretty straightforward. That stood out to me. Oklahoma obviously had a great year last year, losing in the finals of national indoors, so obviously they can play indoors, and then, obviously, and, and then going to the finals of NCAAs. Tough schedule. Seems like Audra Cohen over there. She's not scared to play anyone, any place. But it's going to be interesting. You know, those are two interesting results. It's a little bit of a shift in the mindset from Oklahoma. Last year they were the hunter. This year they are the hunted. Sometimes that's tough when those roles are reversed. I'm sure they got good players. Basically, everyone from their team from last year is back. So they got the players, they got the coaching. But you never know how things are going to play out. So we'll definitely keep an eye on Oklahoma. Next result that stood out to me was Central Florida beating Stetson 4-3. Now, it wasn't like an extremely close match. It came down to the last match. Central Florida was up 4-2 and then Stetson won at number 2 in the 10-point tiebreaker. But Stetson took number 3 and 4 pretty easily. Um, Stetson is a good team. They won the A-Sun last year. Wrestled it away from North Florida who usually dominates that conference. I saw a bunch of their players this fall. That's a good team. Central Florida... Top 25 team, they've been great the last five, six years. So that was a result that stood out for me. Obviously, being a mid-major coach, I would have loved to see Stetson pull off the upset, but definitely a good showing by them. Next, next match is Baylor beating Rice 4-3. My guy, Joey Scrivano, ex-South Alabama coach. Um pulling out the win 4-3. That match came down to a 7-6 in the third set at number 5. Big win for Baylor. They, I wouldn't say they're rebuilding, but they lost their number 1 and 2 from last year, a really doubles team, so everyone's got to move up in their lineup, play up in positions from last year. That's always tricky. But once again, those are the kind of building blocks to build a good season good for Baylor getting that win tough on Rice would have nice for them to get that win over Baylor next one Ole Miss coach Mark Byers they played a tough mid-major team ETSU mentioned them last week in episode one ETSU SOCON I think they are going to challenge Furman, and I won't be surprised if they beat Furman this year to win the SoCon. But almost took care of that match 5-2. It was somewhat comfortable, but the matches were real competitive. You know, ETS, you can play. Next match, Iowa beat Furman. 
Foman being in the SOCON. Iowa winning that match 5-2. That's interesting to me because Foman has been so good the last couple of years. And I think the last couple of years, that's a match that they would expect to win. Big win for Iowa if Furman holds steady in the rankings. Iowa, one of those mid-tier, lower-tier power fives. Those are the kind of wins, once again, as I said last week, that they have to get because once conference play starts, you never know what can happen. Tough to pick up wins in that conference sometimes. Next one, I've got two more here for you guys. Alabama beating Memphis. 4-3, close match, it looks like. The match came down to number two singles. Alabama was down 3-0 in the third and came back and pulled out that match. At number two of Alabama from Czech Republic, she's a good player, so not surprised that she did that. That was an interesting result to me, um, an important result for Alabama, obviously. Um, I think Alabama is good. they got some great talent. They're probably there in the middle of a pack in the SEC. So these non-conference matches, they're going to, what they want to pick up these wins, and Memphis is probably a quality win. Having said that, I looked today and Ole Miss kind of jumped all over Memphis. So that's kind of the, the tough part. Memphis scheduling tough. If you get those wins, it helps the ranking. But if you take those losses, and it seems like Memphis has taken quite a few tough losses in a row, you never know what that can do to a team's confidence. Last but not least, Mississippi State again. Mentioned them last week when they played against UAB. Well, this week they played against Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is actually very much improved. But Mississippi State squeaked out that match 4-3. Lost the doubles again. Jacksonville State won the doubles. Looks like it came down to number two singles where Mississippi State had to pull out a 4-3 match. That's going to be interesting because once again, Mississippi State, one of those middle-of-the-pack teams in the SEC who would like to challenge the top teams in the SEC. But I think those could be a couple of red flags. Two weeks in a row, Mississippi State having a tough time against UAB and then having a tough time against Jacksonville State. Now, once again, I don't know if they've got players sitting out, injured, um, but definitely something to keep an eye on. In summary, when it comes to the results, plenty of action. There was plenty of matches being played. Not much with regards to huge upsets or selfishly, not enough mid-majors getting over the finishing line against some of those lower tier power fives, mid-tier power fives. But I'll talk about that again in my last words. Circle back to that. Okay, segment three. This is where I take a conference and I break it down. I'm not going to rush through it. But I'm kind of keeping my eye on the clock as well because I definitely want to keep this episode below 30 minutes. Sunbelt, fun belt. New look Sunbelt. Sunbelt added, this is my conference by the way. Um, Sunbelt added four teams. Four new teams are Old Dominion, James Madison, Marshall and Southern Miss. I think Sunbelt is a, getting a 
but becoming a stronger and stronger tennis conference. It's going to be a good battle this year. But let me start. Old Dominion, they are the favorites. Coach Don Manila has done a great job over there the last couple of years. I think they'll probably be in front. It's going to be up to the rest of the Sun Belt to chase Old Dominion down. In no specific order, but I'm just going to work through the teams over here. James Madison, coach is Shelly Godwin. She's done a great job over at James Madison. Used to be the assistant coach at Alabama. Used to be the head coach at Middle Tennessee and had some good teams over there and now doing a good job at James Madison. Great addition to the Sun Belt. South Alabama, that's my team. Defending champs. We got a completely new team. Graduated a lot of people. Um, one or two people moved on. I don't know what to expect. Time will tell, and hopefully I don't make the list of um, results we're discussing in a negative way. Marshall, Coach John Mercer. He's had some great teams over there. He's been there a long team. It's going to be fun playing them again. In my earlier days, we used to play home and away with Marshall, and those used to be great battles. Next team, Coastal Carolina. Coach Catherine Hewitt. Um, her teams are tricky. They're good. They're usually very well conditioned. They're very good point players and they compete hard. Um, they added three transfer players. But on paper, they look good. Played well at their previous schools. So Coastal Carolina is going to be real tricky there in the Sun Belt. Southern Miss, they got a new coach. The last two years, they had some of their best teams that I've seen since I've been here. So they're going to be a hard out in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern, Coach McCaffrey, Sean McCaffrey. He's going to be looking to bounce back. Um, last year, not a great year for them. You know, just had one of those years, a couple of players leaving middle, beginning of the season. But the years before that, they played in the finals of the Sun Belt Conference. He does a great job over there. Troy, Raiwa El Sisi. I've known Raiwa a long time. Um, she's been coaching there for probably approximately 15 years. They are a tough team, especially at home. She always finds good, good players and they compete hard. Appalachian State, Ashley Antel. I think this is her third year over there. Looked, I scanned over this, some of their results and their roster. They look much improved. The last two years, they've been struggling a little bit with injuries and filling up a team, but it seems like they got a lot of players, and she'll do a good job over there. Georgia State, they got a new coach. I think their old coach went back to, um, not sure when she went, but they got a new coach. Georgia State's got a great tennis tradition. They've always been one of the top teams within the Sun Belt. Looked at one or two of the earlier matches. It seemed like their number one player, Shivu from Romania, has returned for a graduate year. She's a great mid-major player, so they will always be competitive over there. Louisiana Lafayette, Coach Stephanie, always got talented players they got some good infrastructure there at Lafayette Texas State new coach 
they've been struggling the last couple of years in the Sun Belt, but they've they've got the resources over there, and all their other sports within the Sun Belt do a great job. So I'm sure they're expecting to be in the top half of the Sun Belt sooner rather than later. Arkansas State, they hired Scott Kidd in August. That was a great hire. Scott's got some great experience. Used to be at Clemson, great recruiter. Unfortunately, it looks like he resigned in December, so they're looking for a new coach. Unfortunate for them having that coaching turnover. But that's a good job for people who are interested out there. Good infrastructure, good resources over there. And then last but not least, Louisiana Monroe. They've got a new coach who just joined them in January. Man, that's been tough on the players over there. The coaching turnover there has been tremendous. Hopefully they can find some stability. It's not too long ago they had a rock-solid program over there when Terrence DeYoung and RJ Nagel was over there. Um, I did not like it because they were extremely competitive and we had some tough battles with them. But hopefully they can find some stability within that program. In summary, it's going to be a fun year in the Sun Belt. Old Dominion in front, everyone else trying to chase them down. Let's see what happens. Okay, last word over here. Let me wrap it up. Top tier Power 5 teams are too good for the mid-majors. I saw a couple of those matchups, and that's a fine balance. It's a great experience going and playing against those top teams as a mid-major. But where's a balance, you know, um, where you're just going to completely demoralize your team? I saw a few too many mid-tier Power 5 teams beat up on mid-majors where the matches weren't competitive. But the good thing is I saw some real competitive matches between lower-tier Power 5 teams and some mid-majors. My question is, will mid-majors hang tough and find a way to be competitive or will the gap widen in the shifting landscape of cost of attendance and NIL and the growing resources and infrastructure with the Power 5? Let's keep watching, guys. Let's keep watching the results and see what the data tells us. Thanks for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. Hopefully I wasn't rambling on too much. Maybe I gave you guys, hopefully I gave you guys some good content something that you find interesting but i'll be pushing out an episode again next week tuesday hopefully you tune in next week good luck with all the matches out there and let's keep an eye on the results over and out